Hello once again, and welcome to the Chowchilla Church of Christ podcast. We are coming to you live each time directly in the spirit of Jesus Christ from God's word. We always point to the truth because the truth is certainly in Jesus Christ. There is a scripture in John chapter 14 and verse number six. Jesus himself said these very words more than 2,000 years ago. He declared, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one can come to my Father except they come by me. As we welcome you to our discussion today, before we go into the discussion, we always like to start out with prayer. Someone may have asked us, why do we do that? Because the answer also is in the Bible under this series of lessons, what does the Bible say? In the scripture of Luke chapter 18 and verse one, it says men should always pray and not give up. With that being said, let us go to God in prayer. It is once again, Lord, we humbly come to you thanking you for the bread of life, the spiritual drink from the water of life. We appreciate tremendously these blessings that you've given us. Certainly we don't deserve, but through your grace, you have decided to bestow your goodness upon each one of us. As we listen and as we learn and as we hear, help us to obey. Give us this day our spiritual food and our drinks, so we will be more like Jesus Christ and less like ourselves. Forgive us of our sins. Strengthen us where we're weak. Build us up where we're torn down. Help us where we are hurting. And those who are suffering from any aches and pains, physically, mental, mentally, or emotionally, and those who are having problems of any sort, we pray for all who are under the sound of our voice. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Certainly, we would like to encourage you, if you have a copy of God's word, would you open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9. Matthew is the book, chapter 15 is the chapter, and we're going to use with emphasis, verses eight and nine. Now, before we go to that passage of scripture, we want to introduce the discussion title, and here it is. What worship is not worship? What worship is not worship? Now, in one of our other discussions, we talked about the kind of worship the Father is looking for. In this discussion, we're talking about what worship is not worship. Somebody might say, well, I thought all worship, long as my heart is right. You and I hear that all the time. It's okay, Melvin, it's okay, long as my heart is right. But according to the Bible, that just cannot be so. Why is that? Because there is a scripture, be it then you and I are going by the Bible, which is God's word. 
It is in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12. And here's what it says. There is a way, which means any way, that seems to be right unto a person, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It is mentioned again in Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way that seems to be right unto a person, but the end thereof is the way of death. Now that death is not talking about literally physical death, even though that's included. But that word there is translated in the Greek Old Testament, Gehenna. It means hellfire and brimstone. Any way, which is a way, a way, indefinite article, which could be any way, seems to be right. Seeming to be right doesn't make it right. We said what we want to discover in truth from God's word is what worship is not worship. I do believe that when we discover what worship is not worship based upon the word of God, we will know what worship is worship. In the proverbial writing two times, which means there's a double confirmation from the word of God. The proverbial writer decided to give to the people then, certainly for you and I today, that whatever we are thinking and feeling and believing to be right, if it cannot be verified, if it cannot be qualified or certified by the word of God, it is not worship. There's one more. I want to turn to the book of Jeremiah. Go with me there. Jeremiah in the Old Testament, uh, chapter 17, God spoke to Jeremiah. He was considered the weeping prophet because he cried a lot. Somebody said he was like a crybaby. Well, maybe so. But his reason and his rhyme and his rationale for crying is that he was crying for the people of God, that they would turn around and stop worshiping what was not worshiped that they would stop worshiping idol gods, false gods, false teachings, false prophets. And so in Jeremiah chapter 17 and beginning at verse nine, God says to, uh, to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17 verse nine and verse 10, the heart is deceitful and above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, that tells me right there with my limited understanding that that would be the very reason when someone says, when it comes to worship, all I need to do, if my heart is right with God, then I'm right with God. Right in this very passage, ladies and gentlemen, it says the heart is deceitful. Interesting word heart there. It is not talking about the physical blood pump in the center of one's chest. It is not speaking about your and my emotions that stem from our being. The word heart there means the mind. It is the intellect, the will, and the emotions of our beings. The intellect, which we reason with. The will, what we wish and want. And the emotions, where what we reason and wish and want stem from or emanate from. So when the Bible says the heart is deceitful, it's not talking about, once again, our physical blood pumps. For if that were so, ladies and gentlemen, then we'd have a problem because right after it says the heart is, it says deceitful. How could 
your and my hearts in our chest be deceitful. You know it's not talking about that. It's talking about the intellect, the will and the emotions and our feelings, our emotions, that part that if you will, will what we want vacillating between our wills what we want and our emotions where we act out what we will and want is the very thing that Jeremiah by God with God is addressing and condemning that heart, those emotions, our wills, those wants and wishes are deceitful. Well, what does deceitful mean? Deceitful means that one is deceived one has been debunked, one has been tricked, and one has been undermined to believe that something that they have thought is correct is totally incorrect. May I give an example? If I were with you and you were with me and we went into Walmart store today and at the check stand, we were paying for our merchandise. And let's say that the total price was $50, but we only had $45, but we have $50 worth of merchandise. May I ask you, do you think that they're going to let you and I take the $50 worth of merchandise out of that store without us paying $50? And the answer is no. Maybe some kind person in the line will come along and say, well, here's another $5. Melvin, you can pay for that. Or maybe uh, they will say you have to put something back, some of your merchandise back to make sure that you have less than $50 because you don't have $50 to pay. You only have $45. I only have $45. But one thing stands for sure, the universal acceptance of what goes on in Walmart is this at that time. And we know it. If we have $50 worth of merchandise, we're going to have to pay $50 for the merchandise. That is the standard. That is the rule. And that is the requirement and regulation. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what we're saying, the Bible is the standard. The Bible is the rule. The Bible has the regulations. And the Bible says in this passage, the heart, the intellect, the will, the emotions, the feelings are deceitful. Above all things, this really gets me desperately wicked. The next one is even more so a grabbing, a getting you and I and the juggler. Who can know it? God is telling Jeremiah, no human being on this planet knows what is in their heart. Wow, what a discovery we've learned today. So when someone says, I know what I'm doing, when someone says, I got this, which you hear said quite a bit today, when someone says, I have this knowledge and I really know I'm accepted by God, Jeremiah answers that. God tells him in the questioning form, who can know one's heart? And the answer is in verse 10. God says, I, the Lord, search the heart. 
I try the reins, even to give every person according to his ways and according to the fruit of their doings. The only person that knows God's way would be you and I if you and I go in his word. I'm going to say that again. The only way you and I know God's way is if we go in his word and obey it. But if we don't go in God's word, then we don't know God's way. And if we don't know God's way, we don't know God's will. And then we begin to worship God by what we feel and what we think and what we believe. And that worship is not worship. It's deceitful, number one. It's desperately wicked, number two. And we don't know, as we mentioned in the other study, who and what we really are doing in worship. I discovered something through a little bit of research that the word worship in the King James Version of the Bible is mentioned 102 times. It is that word which literally means to humble and to prostrate oneself down before God. Some people lift their hands. Some people cry. Some people sit. Some people stretch themselves flat out. Some people, uh, they, they cry out to God. But it all must be done not to please ourselves. Worship is never to design to please you and I. Worship is never designed to satisfy you and I. Worship is not about you and I. Worship, the central theme and the, the centerpiece of worship is to have one's total focus on the Almighty God, not on ourselves, not how good we do worship, not how well we sang the songs and gave the praise, not how beautiful the prayers are. God is not looking at the form of worship. God is not looking at our fashions of worship. What worship is not is not form and fashion. That's frivolity. That's foolishness to God. God is looking, ladies and gentlemen, at what he said in his word. And what we gathered is that he has specific, designated, concrete way, the way of him being worshipped. Let's give a few descriptions of some worship that is not worship. In Matthew chapter 15, go with me there in the New Testament, Jesus gives this one. We mentioned it before, but to be rep repetitious, in Matthew chapter 15, this group of religious people had come to Jesus. They were called the Pharisees and the scribes. The Pharisees were the people that were religious. They were right-wingers. They believed they were always right and everybody else was wrong. Do you know anybody like that? The scribes were the ones who copied the law of Moses. They believed that the law of Moses gave them all their rights, all their rules, and all their regulations, and anything that wasn't under the law of Moses was wrong. Well, it just so happens to be that Jesus condemns them and he calls them, ladies and gentlemen, hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is. It's somebody who says one thing and does another. In Matthew 15, before we get to verse 8 and 9, Jesus says, you guys are nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. Isn't that interesting that he calls religious people hypocrites? <laughs> I've been called that myself. How about you? Well, the people that try to use that as an excuse so they won't worship correctly. Well, Melvin, I'm not going to go to worship because there's too many hypocrites in the church. Well, you just stated that you are one more. Come on and join us. 
The church is like a spiritual hospital. People are in the hospital because they're sick. The spiritual hospital of the church is so all of us can be under Dr. Jesus's care, all of us who are hypocrites, so we can be made well and no longer will be hypocrites. We hope that works for you. In Matthew chapter 15 and beginning in verse 8, not only after Jesus calls them hypocrites, he says, Isaiah prophesied about you and so did Jeremiah long time ago. He says, you are the people who come near to me with your mouths. You are the people who constantly honor me with your lips, but your heart, there it is again from Jeremiah 17 verse 9, your hearts are far distant away from me. Now, why did he say that? That quotation, by the way, along with the Jeremiah 17, verse 9 and 10, comes from Isaiah chapter 29, 13. And notice what we've been doing, ladies and gentlemen. We have not been giving you our opinion, what we feel, what we think, what we believe. We've been giving you what thus says the Lord, what the Bible says. Jesus is speaking here at this time more than 2,000 years ago. And he says, yes, your heart, your hearts are far from me. Now, if somebody told you and I that in distance, even if we Google it up, if we get, if we call on Alexa or we call Siri and we say, how far from where I am here in Chowchilla is Fresno, it'll give an approximate distance of about 38.5 miles, depending upon where I'm going in Fresno from Chowchilla. So I have a distance of travel. I have some direction for that travel. With that distance and that direction, I have to determine whether I'm going to make the drive. But I have an idea of that distance, how far away I am from Fresno. That is my destination. Now, Jesus, what he does, he says our destination is to get to God with our worship. And ladies and gentlemen, in order to determine how far or how close you and I are to God, we measure that not by man-made devices. We measure that by God's word. Listen to what he says in verse nine. But in vain, whenever you see a but, it denotes a difference in what was previously said. But in vain, they do worship me. The issue was not the fact that they were not worshiping the Pharisees and the scribes. Oh, yes, they were worshiping. The issue was how they were worshiping. Isn't that maybe of some relevance to you and I today? It is not that you and I aren't worshiping. It's how you and I are worshiping. Stay with it, ladies and gentlemen. Notice how he said they were worshiping. He said, you are worshiping me in vain. We looked at that word vain in the Bible dictionary. Whenever you're looking up Bible words, please look up those words in a Bible dictionary, unless they're small words like it and but, etc. But ladies and gentlemen, the word vain in the Bible can mean, does mean something completely different and more than it does in the Anglicized dictionary. The word vain means empty, useless, of no value, and no acceptance to God. But in vain, empty, useless, no value, no acceptance to God, do they worship me teaching for doctrines. What are doctrines? Teachings, the commandments of men. Notice how these people were worshiping. 
They weren't worshiping, but they were worshiping in vain, useless, of no value, empty, not accepted. Why? The teachings were predicated. They were based on man's belief, on man's feelings, on man's thinking, on man's ideologies, and not what the Bible and the word of God teaches. So they were rendered unacceptable. That's the first kind of worship. What worship is not worship. Matthew 15, verse 89. Let's go to another one. Acts 17, verse 22 and 23. I'm turning my Bible. It is the fifth book uh, chronologically in the New Testament. Acts chapter 17 and verse 22 and 23. Uh, the apostle Paul, more than 2,000 years ago, he had the missionary journey to Athens, Greece. And while he's there, he's in this center where uh, philosophical and theological discussions take place among those who were so-called pagan and heathen uh, philosophers who believed in um, polytheistic, multi and pantheistic gods of all sorts, gods of the stars, the moon, the sky, the land, the sea, and different things. And Paul, before we get to verse 23 and verse 24, he starts in verse 22 excuse me, verse 21, and he says, for all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or hear some new thing. I wonder, are we like that today? And wanting something new in worship, wanting to try something out new so I can worship God. Lord, I'm tired of worshiping this way. I want to worship this way. Well, this is what the Athenians did. We're going to discover just like the religious Pharisees and scribes who were worshiping, but their worship was in vain. Notice what Paul will say about the Athenians, those who were in Athens, Greece, their worship. Paul says in verse number 22, Acts 17, then Paul stood in the middle of Mars Hill, interesting place, that's here on earth, and said, ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. That word superstitious doesn't mean like someone's superstitious. They're afraid of ghosts and goblins like Thanksgiving, is, excuse me, Halloween is coming up uh, here at the end of this month. The word superstitious is translated meaning you are overtly too religious. Paul says in verse 23, why? For as I passed by, I looked and saw your devotions, your statues, your emblems. I found one with an altar that said this, to the unknown God whom you therefore ignorantly worship. Now in Matthew 15, verse 89, we discovered vain worship. In Acts 17, 22 and 23, we have some people ignorantly worshiping. Paul says, I saw all these statues. I saw all these devotions. I wonder, does that fit any of us today? You and I should not be worshiping crosses and emblems and bracelets and beads and all these things. The Bible says we're not even supposed to worship anything in the likeness of heaven or anything down on earth whatsoever in the book of Exodus chapter 20 and the first 10 verses. Ladies and gentlemen, 
All those types of worship are what worship is not. Worship is not worship when it's vain worship. Worship is not worship when it's ignorant worship. Paul says, I will declare the unknown God to you. They made sure, or at least tried to make sure, that they had named every God and they had the one they didn't know, which was the only one they needed to know. Paul says in verse 24, Acts 17, this God made the world and all the things therein. Seeing that he is Lord of heaven and of earth, he does not live in your temples made by your hands. Verse 23, or rather 25, key point, neither is he worshiped with men's hands. As you carve out your stones and wood and valuable uh, jewelry and made these so-called precious statues and devotions and altars, he's not worshiped with men's hands. He's not worshiped in vain. He's not worshiped ignorantly. He's not worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he gives to all life and breath and all things. And one more point. In verse 26, it says, and God has made of one blood all nations, there it is again, of people for to live on all the face of the earth and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds, that is the boundary of man's habitation. This is why we strongly emphasize that mankind, since the beginning of time, God has restricted his limitations of where he will live and confined them to this planet Earth. Though you and I may travel in space, we will never live there. This is where God has placed man. And anyone trying to worship God, his creation has fallen short of what the word of God says. Let's go to the next one here. It is beyond the vain worship and ignorant worship and the worship of men's hands. Now there's this thing called will worship. Go with me to the book of Colossians, uh, chapter two and verse 23. In the book of Colossians, the apostle Paul is writing to the church of Christ in the city of Colossae. And in Colossians chapter two and verse number 23, Two, Paul says, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments, there it is again, and doctrines of men, verse 23, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will, W-I-L-L, worship. See, that means people are worshiping their wills, what they want, what I want done in worship, what I feel should be done. Sometimes people will come to me and they'll say, Melvin, I feel like this ought to be done in worship as though they're telling me uh, what I should preach and what I should do. And you know what my reply is? First Peter chapter four, verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. That means the rules, the regulations and the policies of God. And if any man minister, let him do it with the ability that God gives, that God in all things may be glorified to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. If you can't Get your worship out of the Bible. Your worship is out of the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, and therefore is either vain worship, ignorant worship, will worship, not accepted and not approved by God. Let's go to the next one. In Matthew chapter four, verses eight and nine, there is devil worship. The devil can be worshiped because he tried to get Jesus, even the son of God, 
to worship him. I find that remarkable. In Matthew chapter four, the Bible says in verse number eight, again, the devil takes Jesus up to an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto Jesus, all these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. Wow. Jesus said unto him, doing what we're doing today, quoting scripture from Deuteronomy chapter six in verse number 13, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord God and him only shall you serve. No vain worship, no ignorant worship, no will worship, worship of the will, no devil worship, no worship, ladies and gentlemen, whatsoever by man's, by men's hands. We said in the last study, that the only way that you and I are to worship is in spirit and in truth. Now, let me mention one more here quickly. Also, what Paul mentioned in that Colossian letter, in Colossians chapter two, he mentioned that there were some people in Colossians two and verse 18, let no one deceive you, trick you, out of your heavenly reward by the voluntary worshiping of angels. Now, some people worship angels. Some people worship the, vir the Virgin Mary. Some people worship uh, bees. Some people worship what they believe. Notice Paul says, don't let anyone trick you out of your reward. And what we discover today, what worship is not worship. And there must be a reason why these things are placed in God's word. And we believe that from John 4, 24, God is spirit. We believe from 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God is faithful. We believe that from 1 John 1, 5, God is light. And we believe from 1 John 4, 8, God is love. God is spirit. God is faithful. God is light and God is love. And he must be worshiped in accord with who he is. With that being said, we hope and pray that something was said as you are listening, that you will decide if you have taken these words seriously, I mean real serious, and you have discovered that you have not been worshiping God according to his word, that today will be the day that you change and worship him accordingly. We thank you so much for that participation in our podcast. And if you are in the area and would like to worship with us in the Chowchilla Church of Christ at our location, we are located at 701 Trinity Avenue, Chowchilla, California, 93610. Our phone number is 559 223 1973. Once again, 559-223-1973. Also, you can contact us by email. Our email address is Christ at gmail.com. With that being said, we're going to close out in prayer. Lord, we thank you and thank you and thank you that your word is a light and a lamp to our feet, our pathways, we don't know when to go. We don't know how to go. We don't know where to go. But today, hopefully, we've learned why we should go. That is to worship. Because you've given us 
those things that are not worship. And now you've placed in our hands and our hearts what is worship acceptable to you. Please help us do it the way you said and not the way we feel. We give all this to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen. And feel the gentle breeze Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee